Um, the kingdom of heaven is, is, when Jesus describes it, he says, it's like a sower who went out to sow seed. And it's not dramatic. It's not immediately visible what's going to happen. But over time, there is abundant fruitfulness that Jesus talked about. And that's a way of describing the kingdom. Well, in the rest of Matthew 13, in verses 24 through the end of the chapter, verse 50, Jesus tells six more parables. And so we're going to look at those this morning to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. Some of you have probably heard the phrase, don't sweat the small stuff. It's a popular phrase. I looked up, it's been around for quite some time, well before I was here, and it's been referring to, don't get stressed out about small things or about things you can't control. Don't sweat the small stuff. And there was a, it really got popularized in the 1990s. There was a motivational speaker who wrote a book entitled, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and all, and it's all small stuff. That was the, the rest of the title. And so there's this trend. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't let small things get under your skin. Well, about that time as that trend was happening, there was, there was kind of another trend that happened where people were like, well, maybe there's some small stuff we should sweat. And they began kind of pointing out, you know, there's actually small things. Like that small noise that's going on in your car, you may actually want to sweat that. Um, because you might end up on the side of the road or with a much larger bill because you let something small turn into something much bigger. You didn't sweat the small stuff. Sometimes small things have a big impact. Or there may be something going on in your body that you realize that's not the same as it was before, and it might be a small thing that then is an indicator of something much bigger or life-threatening. Uh, A legendary college basketball coach of the UCLA Bruins, John Wooden, he was known for his attention to the small things. And he said this, he said, it's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. And so in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is telling seven parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like, and we learn from these parables that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is one of those small things that has an outsized proportion influence. It's a small thing that makes big things happen And so one theologian described the kingdom of God like this, and I've always found this as a helpful description. The kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. And so from very beginning, we see that in the Garden of Eden, God's people in God's place under God's rule. And then throughout the Bible, that morphs, it changes until we get to Jesus. And so this this kingdom that is being talked about in these passages that Jesus is preaching. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. He's announcing it. The king is here. His name is Jesus. And he's bringing about his rule and reign. And it is supremely valuable. And it has eternal implications. Essentially, everyone should sweat the kingdom. Every person should give attention to the kingdom of God 
and what they must do in order to make it their own. And so I want to pray, and then we'll begin with the first parable and the growth of the kingdom. So let's pray and go to the Lord for His help. Well, Father, we thank You for making this weekend possible. We thank You for gathering us around Your Word, Lord. And I do pray for ears that can hear, for receptive hearts, Lord. We want to know of Your kingdom and align ourselves accordingly. Lord, we were just singing, let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done. That is, bring Your rule and reign to our lives and then into the lives of others. And so we just thank You, Lord. We behold You and Your glory. We thank You that there is hope in Christ and Christ alone. And we pray for Your help this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So Jesus tells us three parables about the growth of the kingdom. The growth of the kingdom. And if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading in verse 24. It says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then... He left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. 
Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, in verse 24, Jesus compares the kingdom to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But this man has an enemy, and his enemy sowed weeds into that same field. So this isn't the shock that you and I have when we go out in our yards and we find weeds, which I have that shock weekly. I'm like, I did not plant these, and yet here they are. No, this is the shock of an obvious infiltration into his field. In the ancient Near East, there were these types of weeds that looked like wheat. And you couldn't tell when they were small, when the plants were small, but as they grew up, it would become obvious. And so the servants ask, do you want us to weed these out? And the master says, no, let's wait until the harvest time. Now, this parable, a parable is a story, a story that's relatable, a story that has some sort of spiritual truth that Jesus is seeking to connect. He takes something that they know and he connects a spiritual truth to it. And so this parable is one of the few parables Jesus actually gives the interpretation where he says, okay, here's what it means. He says, the man who sowed the seed is him. He's the son of man. Jesus, that's one of his titles for himself, the Son of Man. He sowed good seed into his field. The field is the world. The good seed, he says, are the sons of the kingdom. His enemy is Satan. And the sons of the evil one are the weeds. And so what does this parable, this story, tell us about the kingdom of heaven? Well, it tells us that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God grows alongside another kingdom, the kingdom of Satan. In fact, both are growing at the same time. And this is surprising because it's kind of what we wouldn't expect. We expect that if God is the king and he is strong and he's growing his kingdom, that we would see the kingdom of Satan the kingdom of this world, opposition, other kingdoms like shrinking. But that's not what this parable says. It says that he is, he says, let both grow together until harvest. And so when you and I know of people, they're not worshiping God, maybe worshiping a false God, remember this phrase, what Jesus says here, let both grow together until harvest. He allows it. He allows for their, this rival kingdom to continue to grow. When we see people snubbing their nose at God, or Christians that are playing the hypocrite, remember what Jesus says here. He says, let both grow until the harvest. You see, church, it's a call for patient, 
confidence. Patient confidence. He's letting it grow until the appointed time. And so until that time, we will find believers and unbelievers, converted and unconverted, the children of God and the children of Satan until the end of the age. That's the harvest. And so in between this parable, when Jesus tells it, and then later on he interprets it, he tells two shorter parables, also about the growth of the kingdom. One about a mustard seed and the other about leaven. Look again at verse 31. It says, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So what is this, these two short parables tell us about the kingdom of heaven? Well, it tells us that the kingdom of heaven begins small, almost imperceptibly. As God's word is sown into people's hearts, it can look like nothing is happening. You know, we live in a day that values quick, immediate, dramatic results. And we're very quick to like move on from things when we don't see those quick, immediate, dramatic results. But the kingdom of God, it's not quick in its coming. It's, it's not flashy. It's not always visible. It's more like leaven that gets put into a lump of dough. And then you wait. You know, recently in our home, Crystal's been cooking some bread uh, she's been baking, and so she gets that lump of dough. She puts the leaven in it, and you know, you start. It starts out small, and about an hour later, if I come back in the kitchen, that lump is still looking pretty small. And then there comes a point where I walk in the kitchen. I've, I've pretty much forgotten about the fact that she was making bread, and I see the dough there, and it's like ballooned in size. And it's like, whoa! When did that happen? How did that happen? Well, that is going to be our response to the kingdom of God. It's sown. It's sown. We're we're sharing God's word. We're preaching God's word. We're reading it. We're receiving what he says. It's sown. It's sown. And then all of a sudden, how did that happen? People's lives transformed. Many people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. A time comes when the mustard seed becomes a tree. A time comes when that leaven has done its magic and the dough has risen, and so too, church, a time is coming when the kingdom of God will be seen for what it is. And so it's a call for patient confidence in the growth of the kingdom. It has small beginnings. It is a slow increase. But that should not be mistaken for that his kingdom is not coming or that it's not working what God is doing. And so this is the growth of the kingdom. And on the heels of those parables, Jesus tells two parables then about 
the greatness of the kingdom. The greatness of the kingdom. Look at verses 44 through 46. Two parables. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. With these two parables, Jesus emphasizes the greatness, the supreme value of the kingdom of God and of us obtaining the kingdom for ourselves, being ushered into God's kingdom. He says it's like treasure that is hidden in a field. You know, back in the day, they didn't have banks where they could deposit their money. People buried what they had in the ground. And so other people would, at times, stumble across something that someone else had buried. You know, I read back in 2014, there was a couple in California, and they were walking down a path on their property. They were walking their dog. And the couple saw by a tree, like what looked to be a tin can of some sort, partially out of the ground, and so they dug, and they got in and saw that can, and out came coins, gold coins, minted between 1847 and 1894. Somebody had buried it, and they stumbled across this treasure hidden in their field, and it was an estimated worth of $10 million. Now, this couple owned the land. So they didn't have to sacrifice anything to get it. But in the parable, Jesus says that the man sells all that he has to get that field with that treasure in it. He saw the value and immediately acted to obtain it. And it was unexpected. It was accidental. Well, in the next parable, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a fine pearl... That merchant is searching for value. It's it's intentional. It's not accidental. And so Jesus' point here is like whether it's accidental that you stumble across and realize the kingdom is that valuable or you've been searching your whole life for something that is of immense value, whatever that is, when you find it, the kingdom of God is that thing that is so precious. And when you find it, It's worth everything you have to give up to obtain. And so that's the kingdom of God. Having a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. Having our sins forgiven. Being adopted into His family. Being declared righteous. Having eternal life where we live on forever and ever and ever. And we're not hampered by sin or sickness or death or anything else. That is so precious. That is His people in His place under His rule and reign. And it's worth everything we have to give up. Our most cherished sins. Giving up the things that we love and seek more than God. Giving up our autonomy. 
giving up the world and the things of the world, giving up our bitterness, giving up our holding of grudges, giving up our stubborn disobedience, giving up whatever we have to, because Jesus is indeed that valuable. Now, people may have thought that this man and this merchant were foolish. You gave up all of that? And it's yes, yes, it's really that valuable. And so in this parable, we, we also learn the reason why many people sit on the fence when it comes to the things of God. That perhaps they've heard of Him, perhaps they know about forgiveness, they know about a relationship with God, but it, they just, they never decide to get off that fence and make it their own. And the reason for that is in this parable, they don't see the value. They they don't see because eyes of faith is how we see how valuable these things are. And he tells us on page after page, the fleeting value of the things of this world and the eternal lasting value of the things of the kingdom. And so Jesus talks about the growth of the kingdom. Starts out small almost imperceptibly, and yet it's growing. And then he teaches about the greatness of the kingdom. It it is of supreme value. Nothing you can value is more valuable than this. And then, lest we think this is kind of a take-it-or-leave-it offer. You want it or not, it's up to you. Lest we think that's the offer being made, Jesus ends by telling a parable about the guaranteed consummation of the kingdom. The guaranteed consummation. Look at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered every fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable commonly called the parable of the net. It is similar to the parable Jesus just told about the weeds and the wheat. In fact, Jesus interprets it using very similar language. There are good fish. There are good seeds. There are sons of the kingdom, verse 38. He calls them the righteous, verses 43 and 49. That's one category. At the end of the age, there will be a judgment in which this category, this good fish, good seed, sons of the kingdom, the righteous, are ushered into eternal life. That is guaranteed. It says in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You see, that's the point where the song we were singing, Let Your Kingdom Come, 
that's the point where it's come. It's done. The judgment has happened. And that's actually what the word consummation means. It means the full end of something. The completing of what has already begun. You see, the kingdom of God has already begun. It began and broke into our world when Jesus came the first time. And it's going to be consummated. It's going to be completed when he comes the second time. It starts out small. It progresses slowly. But at the end of the age, everyone who trusts in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins, all who submitted to him as Lord and Savior, not just talked about him, not just showed temporary enthusiasm about him, but those that bear fruit with endurance, he says they will, count on it, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. It's it's a glorious end. But it's not the only end. There's an alternative. And it's warned against in both the parable of the wheat and weeds and in the parable of the net. There are also bad fish. Verse 48. They're called sons of the evil one. Verse 38. Jesus calls them all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Verse 41. So he's saying by the fruit of their lives, you can tell they're living contrary to God. And so there's this great separation coming. And it is guaranteed. Some of you know that my boys have had a business where they buy and sell Legos. Legos are those little toy bricks that snap together and make things. And so they buy big tubs from people and uh, usually from the 1980s and 90s, and they sort them. And over the past years, they've bought many of these tubs, and they sort them. There's sorting that goes on pretty much in every room of our house. And um, there are Legos, but in every tub of Legos, there are ones that look like, but they're not actually Lego brand. They're sometimes Tyco or Mega Block brand or don't have any branding on them. And so we've kind of coined a phrase in our family when they're sorting Legos. We call the ones that they're sorting out fake Legos or Fegos. It's like our, our family term. And so, like, oh man, this has a lot of Fegos in it that is mixed in. Uh, and the Fegos are not worth much. So they actually just get thrown away. And they're always searching for the ones that actually say Lego on them. And so the value difference is so vast that they get thrown away, separated and tossed. So choose your picture. Wheat and weeds. Good fish and bad fish. Legos or fegos. A great separation is coming. And see, every day that we live, one more day, it looks to us like a great separation is not coming. We're like, well, it hasn't happened yet. And so we listen to people talk about how they think they're going to die, or we hear things at funerals. No one, I have yet to meet a person who says, I know for sure that I'm headed to this end. Most people think, that is that there are not there's not a great separation coming and yet it is coming for those who don't repent 
Now, we might, and many people may read this and think, well, I'm, I'm not evil. Uh, I'm actually a pretty good person. You know, I, I wouldn't call myself or ever think of myself as a son of Satan. I mean, good grief, what a, what a term. A son of Satan, a child of Satan. And so usually we compare ourselves to other people. And we usually in that comparison think, I'm not really that bad of a person. But I want you to notice here, Jesus gives two categories. There's no middle There's no third category. It's either one or the other. It's either wheat or weeds. It's either good fish or bad fish. It's either the righteous or the evil. There's no third or or middle category. And so these two categories correspond with the two ends. I want you to read verses 49 and 50 with me again. So it will be at the end of of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus talked more about hell than anyone else. And it's meant to make us uncomfortable. It made the people who first heard it uncomfortable. It should make us. The Bible teaches eternal conscious torment, and it is the most sobering reality. What one gains from accepting the kingdom is so great, shining forever in the kingdom of their Father. Amazing. But what one loses from rejecting the kingdom is is so alarming. Weeping. He's talking about just this continual, non-stop crying. Gnashing of teeth. People gnash their teeth when they're in pain that does not relent. And this is Jesus' description. And it's Jesus' repeated description in this chapter. Some people think that hell is a place where you just kind of cease to exist. But that's not what Jesus says. No, he says hell involves pain and anguish that never ends. In another book of the Bible, book of Mark, he says that this place is where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And so Jesus in these parables, he says it's the kingdom of heaven is like seed being sown. Anytime God's word is read, preached, or shared, it's like seed being sown. And then he tells more parables to say, you know, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, they're both growing at the same time until the end. And he says, in the kingdom of God looks really small. It looks like nothing's happening. It looks slow and unimpressive. And yet it is of the greatest value. And there is an end coming. There's nothing more important than to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so there's one command in the whole passage I just read. And it's the same command that Jesus gave two times in the passage I previously read yesterday. It's verse 43. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Essentially, 
we should sweat the small stuff when the small stuff involves the kingdom of God. Because like John Wooden said, he said, little things make big things happen. So we should not be shocked when God's kingdom looks small at this time or insignificant and the other kingdoms and things in this world seem to matter so much and seem to loom so large. He says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you see the kingdom of Satan growing. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. And then we we should see the kingdom of God is so great. It's so supremely valuable. You and I should go after it with all of our being. He is that treasure that is great in beauty and surpasses all wealth. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. He who has ears, let Him hear about that. And so, church, let, let us live in light of the coming separation. It might look like now that being wicked and rejecting God is going okay for folks. It might look like, you know, giving God just a marginal bit of attention and affection seems to go well for some. No, the harvest is coming. There is a harvest coming. And Jesus tells us about it. And He's not going to judge based on how we judge which is usually based on appearance, he sees to the heart. And there's nothing more important than being a son or daughter of his kingdom. There's nothing more important than belonging to the company of the righteous. And so Jesus says, let let him who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You. This weekend has been about Your kingdom looming large. And I pray, Lord, these messages, these passages, these truths, Lord, would allow the things of this world to grow strangely dim and the things of You, the things of Your advancement, Your rule, Your reign, what it is to be Your people, Lord, would loom large for us. I pray today, Lord, for any who do not yet know You, that the reason these parables exist and the reason there is this command to take heed how we hear is because You can save. You you can bring and pluck someone from one path and headed towards one destiny to another, Lord. That's what we're going to celebrate in baptism is how You've done that, of how people have been turned And we praise You for it, Lord. And so I pray even today, Lord, there would be that awareness of I am not doing well with God and I need to sweat the small stuff of the kingdom of God. I need to give attention. Lord, I pray as well that it would be that Your kingdom would be what is most valuable in our eyes. And I pray, Lord, You would lead us in worship and lead us in joy. Give us that patient confidence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.